Welcome to Parenting in Queens. I am your host, Cecia Falcon. And in every episode, I get to speak to incredible people that are honest about their parenting journey and why they choose to raise their children right here in Queens. Today's guest is Ellie Weinstein. He is the husband representing the area of Kew Gardens. He is the father of a nine-month-old baby girl. He's a therapist and a motivational speaker. In this conversation, we learn about ADHD, Crohn's disease, and how he recovers from a bad day. He gives an insight about his teamwork with his wife. We discuss about his religion upbringing and how the profession of a therapist is evolving. Now it's time for our interview. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much, Ellie, for making the time to have this little chat with us. Um, I just want to dive right in. I know that you are very open about your personal life on social media and your life as a therapist, but also um, your life as a parent. Will we get to in one moment? Um, I was recently reading your blog post about ADHD and your journey to it. Um, we're missing part three, so I'm waiting on that. Working on it, working on it. Um, so what would you tell the parent that ha whose child has been diagnosed with ADHD? So first off, the struggle is real as a parent. It's not easy to deal with it as a parent. Um, I work with parents whose kids have ADHD. But the one thing that I would say is that it's not a life sentence where it's going to ruin their lives forever and ever. It just means... Is that the classic way of parenting a child? You have to be a little more sensitive, a little more patient, and a little more go with the flow because people who have ADHD are a little all over the place. It's just about learning the little tricks and tools that can help someone with ADHD. Like I, I wrote in my first blog that my mom used to pull on her ear when I was interrupting conversations because I was so excited and energetic all the time. So that was our trick and our tool. Some parents... And kids, that doesn't work. The dynamic doesn't work. So it all depends on the parent and the child. So not all... Because, like you said, like as a parent, we're so overprotective and we don't want anything to be wrong with the child. But we've uh -huh. not... I mean, I've noticed recently that there are a lot more cases being diagnosed with DHD, which is really good. So we get the help. How, how is the deal with... Um, how are you dealing now as an adult with that? Um... I haven't taken medication since undergrad, which has been close to 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. But there are days where my brain is just all over the place and I'm doing 20 things at once. And there are days that I get hyper-focused, which is part of ADHD as well. My energy is always excited and always up, which is, I find, a great thing. But it was, has been my perspective, my change of perspective on it that has really impacted um, my viewpoint on how I deal with ADHD and the fact that I don't look at it as a burden and as a disease or as a, as a mental illness. But I look at it as a powerful tool to help me get things done and do things differently than others. My creative mind is different. So I try to look at it in a positive way. That has really helped me adjust as an adult. Mm -hmm. As a kid, as a kid yeah. I felt like an outcast. But as an adult, Would you recommend, because now that um you know more people are aware of mental health and you know as 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 parents we're more aware of our children's developmental um needs but as an adult sometimes we haven't been diagnosed what would you recommend the person the adult or the parent who hasn't been diagnosed like what what would be the steps to 
to try to see, like, you know, there may be something there? So one, I would look into a psychiatrist or uh, a psychiatrist who actually assesses for adult ADHD because it's not as common to get diagnosed at an older age than it is compared to being diagnosed at a younger age. Um, it's very common to be diagnosed younger than it is older. And as older you get, the less people will diagnose you with that. So I would say, look, find a psychiatrist that takes your insurance that will assess for adult ADHD and evaluate yourself. And then the other, the, the next step to basically either medication or going to a therapist to help you learn how to deal with ADHD as a whole. You 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 make it sound so like practical and easy, but Sorry, how, I'm in the business, so I know the steps. Yeah, so. but I guess it's. It's accepting ourselves, like, okay, there may be something there. Let's let's yeah. try to see and figure it out. 100%. And there are some cases that are a little more severe than others. So if you have a case where you really can't get things done because you start one thing and never finish anything, I never had that issue. My issue was more about the hyperactivity and energy side of it. And the uh, that is a totally different uh, ball game and different, and different uh, species of ADHD. Okay, great. Um, the other... Um, thing that you are very honest and I think I have people personally that deal with this it's about Crohn's disease yeah can you tell us like what is it and how are you what are you doing to help you with that yeah, so Crohn's is an inflammation it's an autoimmune disease that inflames your intestines um, not going to disgust anyone with uh, crazy details. Yeah. Basically, it's inflammation in your intestines that causes um, issues with uh, regular, uh, um, regular bowel movements and just sometimes vomiting and all these other fun things, uh, nausea. But I, I was diagnosed when I was 18, so it's almost 10, 10 years ago. And it's a combination of a diet that I found that works for me cutting out foods, trying new foods, trying different foods, being aware of how it affects my body. Uh, I'm taking medication. I have a monthly infusion where a nurse comes to my apartment and gives me medication. Um, and uh, just trying to have the least amount of stress and take care of my mind, body, and soul is the best thing I can do for myself. That's very important what you're saying. It's I think even if you're not, don't have any of those physical um issues to deal with you always have to take care of yourself your body and your and your mind um the other question that i have um that i've been a bit curious is that okay you have you know these two things which you are very open about plus you just became a parent so it feels like maybe those you know because becoming a parent is so exhausting and the, like the first time you go to zero to one is like what is this right so how How did you recover from like those really bad days when like your ADHD splurs up, your Crohn's and like, you know, you're having those crappy days. How do you recover from those type of days? So I would say that the bigger issue is Crohn's versus ADHD. My ADHD really doesn't impact me in my parenting. Um, I do think that my Crohn's, when I don't get a lot of sleep, my Crohn's does act up and flare up. And there have been days where I've been really sick and out and my wife has had to do more than she already is doing. And there have been days where um, I'm feeling great and it's wonderful. Um, it all depends on the day, but it definitely helped my baby started sleeping a lot more. Um, so I was able to get uh, more than like two hours a night or whatever, or in time. Now it's uh, a lot longer, so that helps a lot too. Okay, that's great. So 
what is um like what is like the like what more shocking thing that you've experienced as a as a new parent like you didn't expect it at all um a few things one is that i expected myself to fall in love with my child from the get-go uh my wife had that experience the second my baby was born and um my wife we had some complications in the in the in the birth regarding the um her quarters around her neck. So we lost her heartbeat. There was an emergency section. Uh, my wife had to go through surgery. I held the baby first. I held my, my baby things, Ricky. I held Ricky first. And of course I loved her, but I didn't feel this overwhelming connection as my wife did when she held her for the first time. So that was very surprising. I'm a very emotional person and I thought I was going to be this, you know, overjoyed, ridiculously fall in love with this child. And it wasn't that easy for me until I had paternity leave and I was just me and my child together and then everything fell together, which was nuts. And I think the second thing, my wife and I just went through an experience where my baby just had the flu. And us as parents, I am loving the teamwork. Even though I know my wife and I are a good team, it really has ramped up and strengthened our teamwork as, as together when we have to take turns or a long night where she's waking up every half an hour because she's sick. You know, that can be really torturous. So that's also a wonderful, a, a good surprise. It's really nice. That's amazing because some, well, for a lot of, you know, couples, when you become a parent, it, it really takes a toll on the relationship. But for you, it's, it's been the opposite. That's really good. Yeah, well, I think my wife and I had a different story. We had to go through IVF. So to have a child itself we are more appreciative and grateful for every moment we have because we might not have been able to have a child. So we're very, uh, we're just, I guess, overly in love with this child. I don't know. Soaking it all up, right? Every moment. Yeah, that's amazing. We don't even like the bad moments. But we, uh, <laughs> we just appreciate them a little differently. That's true. I've heard that a lot about people that go through IVF. Was it a very long journey for you both? Um, my wife knew she had some issues because she was diagnosed with PCOS. Um, it was about a year or so going through infertility treatments and a failed, a failed, um, infertility treatment. And then just going through the process again of waiting for the right cycle and timing and the medication. Um, but it went a lot quicker than I expected it to. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I, because I follow you on Instagram a lot and you have all these posts. Listen, when I follow people on Instagram, I follow them because they bring certain content that is going to help me, that I'm not just going to be scrolling through around and wasting time because as a parent, you, you don't have the time. So I'm very, I think I'm very conscious of the people that I follow and like that time that I take for myself to learn from people like you. So one of the things you do a lot. So anyone that is listening, you should really check it out. Um, one of the things that I love is that you, how you explain religion with uh, on your post um, spiritual Sundays, right? So, yeah, yeah, like you tied it all up. Can you tell me a little bit about like the inspiration to do that? And were you always like this on, on point about religion, you know, talking about it? Yeah, so I happen to be a religious uh, modern Orthodox Jew. Um, so religion has been part of my life since I was born. And 
it is something that I find a value, something that I find super important, and something that really helps ground me in my day to day life. A couple, like a month or two ago, I was in synagogue and I thought to myself, "This is a great lesson for everyone. Not just you don't have to be religious. Anything you don't have to be any religion. You can just be spiritual, or you can just be not spiritual or no religion. But you want some outlook on something from a different perspective." I thought to myself, "What's the worst that'll happen? If people don't like it, they don't like it. If they like it, great." And I wanted to tie things in, whether it's things with uh, weekly reading from the Bible, or it's something from a book. Um, I saw a lot of priests and pastors and rabbis doing it, so I thought, hey, I'm a therapist, I have a certain perspective. Let me try to see what I can do. Well, let me read uh, one of the posts that I liked. Um, You mentioned, because I started reading it, and you say, top 10 ways to be successful, three ways to solve an unhappy marriage, and the top five skills to learn before you're 30. We, we have all seen and heard tips and lists like this on social media. We love them. We live for a quick and easy way to get the most out of life. And I that really got to me because sometimes we'll, that's how we are being advertised to, you know, like the quick fix. But then you tie it all up at the end with uh, mentioning the rabbi. And he says, there are no easy roads to, to a good life. There are only many roads. Only many hard, though, unpaved paths, but these paths are steady, short, and certain, and they lead to greater, holier, loftiest glory. What I mean, I'm sure you you read a ton, um, you know, in your personal life about the Holy Scriptures and your life. What made you decide to post uh, this one specifically? Well, the Ten Commandments is one of the most iconic um, lists ever made in history. Whether you believe in religion or not, it's just like... Uh, a guideline for life that a lot of people relate to. Um, a lot of, let's say, American old school, like, um, what's it called? Judeo-Christian values that were brought up when it comes to the Constitution and, and politics. So it was in last week's um, Torah reading, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I, I do the same thing. I write this sometimes for a post. Here's five ways that you can help. We all do it because we want to. we want to find... Not, not even just quick, but small little things and digestible ways to put something into perspective and say, hey, here are four ways that I think can help you with a marriage. Here are three ways that this can do that. Here's 10 ways. You know, I, I watch SportsCenter every morning. Top 10 plays is every morning. <laughs> yes. It's part of our nature. It's part of our life. It's something relatable, something easily easy to digest. So I, I wanted to make a point that sometimes these lists are great. And, and important and sometimes they're very helpful but a lot of times it's like the, someone writes here's two ways the only ways that we can fix everything possible in someone's life no like there's there's uh, hard work and it's day-to-day efforts and there isn't one list for everyone or one tip for any person it depends on the person so that's why i wrote that that little uh post yeah i mean it may be little but you don't know who you're impacting right Thank you so much for for quoting me and actually reading my posts. <laughs> You're welcome. So just to stay on the topic of religion, because I I am a, I'm a Christian. I, I I you know, but I struggle with this a little bit. Maybe you can help me. Um, I'm because church can be uh, seen as a institution that separates people. And like you tend to be very inclusive when, you know, you're in New York and you see all these type of people. So how do you 
what are you thinking about how to raise your child in inside your religion? Like to, to make it important, but not separatist, you know? 100%. I love that you brought that up. Um, something that my parents have taught me, something that I've been involved in youth groups at a young age, um, and something that I find a value to myself and my wife and my family and the way we both have been brought up, is that everyone brings value into someone's life. Everyone. No matter sexual orientation, no matter um, what race, ethnicity, backgrounds, people are important. Humans are, are individuals and are wonderful. And the way to connect is through love and and involvement. And that's what I'm going to raise my child on, at those values. And that's, that's to me... I might get a little, what's it called, backlash on this for my religious circles. But I believe that, yes, there are certain things that the Bible and New Testament talk about that are not okay or whatever or not accepted. There's a letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law to me is something that is about connection with people and humans and loving thy neighbor as thyself, right? which is the most famous, iconic mm-hmm. thing that people talk about is loving thy neighbor. So let's do it. So that's what I try to do, and I, and I really try to embody that. I don't care what religion or race or, or gender or identification that you go by. If you're a good, loving person and you treat me with respect, I'm going to love and treat you with respect just as much. doesn't matter where you come from. And, and was that very obvious to you as you were growing up? For me and, and my circles, you know, I can't speak for all religions. I can't be, speak for all mm-hmm. sects within religions. But some religions are a little more closed off, and even within religions, some religions are a little more open. You know, even in the Christian religion, there's Presbyterian, there's yeah. all these different, you know, uh, egalitarian and all these different uh, types of, of Christians. Yes. They have different values within that. So I can't speak for all of them, but for me, that's something that I was brought up on as a value for my family, from my synagogue, from my friends, from everyone I was involved with on a day to day basis, from the school that I went to. So something that I value a lot. That's that's really good because you don't really hear yeah, that much. Some people don't grow up that way. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah. you said about your wife that you know you guys are becoming a really teamwork. What are some as What are some things that you have learned from her as she became a mom? Wow, that's a very long conversation. She, I always knew this, but she really is so much stronger than she realizes. She does, she, my wife breastfeeds. Okay. And it's a struggle. Yeah. Because it's a time, it's a time commitment. The pumping, the middle of the night feeding. If you don't have enough pump, you still have to breastfeed. It just, she is so committed and, and the effort she makes for the best of our child is so inspirational and wonderful. Her patience is amazing. And she is, I know I say this a lot. She is really a true warrior and someone who I admire and someone who I look up to and how to be a loving parent, no matter how her day goes. When she comes into the house and Ricky is sitting on her in her chair, whatever it is, and sees her, my wife switches on and just becomes this loving, wonderful, amazing mother. And when she is struggling, she knows herself enough to say, Ellie, I need you to take over or I need, to, I need a break. She knows her boundaries and she knows those things, which I think are... Wonderful. Wow, that's really amazing because sometimes we don't, I don't do that. Tell. I, I love my wife, yeah. by the way. Yes, we can tell. <laughs> she's so great. I do follow her as well, but she's not as active as you at the and moment. She uses more social media as, 
as uh, watching other people. She doesn't post as much. Yeah, but what was it? Let me tell you, was it a little weird for her to date a therapist? Do you think? That actually never came up <laughs> um, when we were dating. My wife's a dietitian. I was worried about her, you know, making me eat, uh, you know, uh, kale smoothies. <laughs> That's so um, fun. But it's such a great uh-huh. combination, though, because she takes care of you, your body, and then you take care of her mentally. Yeah. What is, um, why, what made you become a, a therapist? Like, what was that journey to that? So I love people, and I love what makes people tick and why they do what they do. And from a young age, I wanted to be a doctor, but at a certain point, I realized that it just wasn't my path because of how my brain works and how my commitment to it, it was just wasn't for me. Science is not my um, best subject. So I wanted to be a therapist because it still works with people and I love people. It's one of my talents. So that's what I do. Okay, and how has it changed over time now with like more uh, people being open to mental health? Has it changed your practice at all? I would say that a lot of like I work in a community clinic, so a lot of clinics are now overbooked and overworked, and the insurance companies and the way their their billing is changing as well. So that just makes it interesting. But you know, I think nowadays the perspective on therapy is more strength based. We're looking to make people feel strong and not weak because of their mental health. Back in the day, it was you're terrible, let's change you, and now it's you're wonderful. Mm-hmm. You have so many skills, let's grow you. Uh, from that point. So I think uh, it's just uh, the perspective is changing and the world is changing, so it's great. Did you always see yourself going through through that direction of making people feel better instead of fe- feeling shameful? Well, that's who, that's who I am. I'm not here to make anyone feel terrible and feel bad about themselves. I'm always about looking at the positive and trying to make someone feel wonderful about themselves. Okay, and what... Okay, I know we just talked about, like, not having, like, the shortcuts to be a better life but as now that you're as a parent and a therapist what are like some things that you would advise uh, new parents uh, embarking on this journey now so a few things one make sure you take time for yourselves whether both individually as parents and as a couple as parents as, as parents whether it's date nights whether it's like i know my, i like to work out so I, my wife knows that my working out time is my time and if she needs something for herself, she takes that time for herself. Um, because you need to be good individually as a team so you can actually be good parents. Um, I would say also um, have a lot of friends and family in your area so you can have you know supports and love and friendships and happiness and make sure you're involving yourself in fulfilling things and that you um, just enjoy the journey and ups and downs. And life is hard for everyone. But uh, you just brought a beautiful human being into this world, so it's exciting. That is, it is very exciting. So thank you so much for for those tips. I would like to know what would be like a perfect day for you. How would you describe that? Depending on how I feel. So first off, it would be wake. If I felt good, it'd be waking up at a normal hour. I would say like let's say seven or eight, okay. uh, not four to five. And I would love to have a nice quiet breakfast with a nice cup of coffee spend time with my wife, get to the gym, and have a wonderful, just chill day. I'm very big into chill days. That's great. And you do, I I remember you were um, 
you do CrossFit, right? I do CrossFit, yeah. Did someone inspire you to do that? Or someone, a friend mentioned it? Was it all on your own? And you're like, okay, I'm going to try this type of workout. No one ever asked me that. Um, what happened was that, um, to be honest, when I was looking for a job, I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube and came upon CrossFit videos and all these things. And I said, oh my goodness, that looks insane. Um, and I was a little nervous to try, and I tried it. And the reason why I love it so much is because I find it pushing the boundaries of feeling like you can't do it. And when you look at the workout, you go, this is ridiculous. But when you get stronger and are able to get through it, you, when you finish, you go, wow, I can't believe I did that. So every day I walk out, I work out my entire body every day. Not every day, I'll do every day. Every time I go, I work out my entire body. And at the same time, I feel very fulfilled that I was able to push through this seemingly ridiculous insurmountable goal and finishing it yeah i mean it's it, it, it started like a little trend but i think it's here to stay to do that type of workout right yeah you know like the classic gym i just had a hard time motivating myself to actually push myself to work hard to sweat to like feel like i was working hard it was kind of more about just chilling and walking around and going to this thing and walking oh, okay i'll do that and i'm like oh, okay i'll go home now but this is like a class you go you work hard and then you leave yeah so it for anyone that's listening it seems like you're like the perfect person because you work out you know you're you know you're you know like your mental capacity you have this great relationship with your wife and you know you learn all this uh all these tips and you give us all this advice which is great but what are some of the things that you're not good at um, time management, uh, I'm not good at, sometimes I have a hard time with patience, um, sometimes I can be emotional, and sometimes I have a hard time with, um, how I view myself, I'm a very critical person of myself. Oh my gosh, that's the worst, that yeah. is something like we always have to try to not be so hang up on, right? Yeah. Um, for w w another thing that I'm curious about, um, tell me something that is probably true, but almost nobody agrees with you on. Maybe you, you know, you deal with so many people and like, you, you know, like this unconventional advice, like it's going to work, but people tell you, I don't think so. Like, I, <laughs> I truly believe that. There is good in most people. Um, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but depending on what political view and where you come from, what background, people think that people are bad, depending on their choices. So I, I kind of have a different view on that. You are very optimistic. I can feel it through here. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> most of the time I'm optimistic. Well, you know, you can be like all the time, but I think when yeah. you are most of the time, it's it's really up there. I try. Um, can you tell us, tell um, the listeners where to find you and what are you more like more excited about, like any new projects you have coming on? So um, you can find me on my website at elevation.org. It's E-L-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. Um, my Instagram, elevation underscore LMSW. I have a Facebook group. Um, and what I'm trying to do is just get whatever I'm working on, the message, the positivity, and the care and love out there more. And you can reach me through those platforms, through my email address and the website, 
And uh, if you want me to come and speak at anything about mental health awareness, bad issues, father, parenting, you know, let me know. I would love to come out and speak to anyone or anything. And let's be in touch. Okay, amazing. I think anyone that would really uh, appreciate all of your content because you put so much thought into it. And I hope um, the listeners can really try to connect with you. I hope so too. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I love this episode. I think my biggest takeaway is being honest. Um, Ellie is always very transparent about his life and all the aspects that makes him happy and makes him struggle as well. And because he's so honest and open about what he's going through, uh, we're also able to learn from him. So you never know. You can be a light for somebody else if we were just open and don't let perfection overrule you. Thank you so much for listening and please let us know what was your biggest takeaway in this episode. If you can tag us at Parenting in Queens on Instagram. Have a lovely day.